0: Welcome to The Solution, a real estate podcast for agents by agents, hosted by Jeff Seebach and Phil Sexton. Jeff and Phil run a residential real estate team that will close over $250 million worth of homes in 2018. And they are sharing their insights on growing a team and winning in the living room with actual buyers and sellers. Enjoy. Episode 44 hey.
1: of The Solution, a real estate podcast. This is where we, me, Phil Sexton, you, Jeff Seebach. Put the consumer first. Put the consumer first. We feel it's time to put the consumer first in real estate, and so we have this podcast where we talk about ways that we're doing it with our own real estate team, and we also reach out to other community leaders, team leaders, top real estate agents, agents, and we ask them how they are
0: putting consumers first. And today we're very excited about our super excited. I mean, you know, when uh, you we were just uh, at a Zillow conference and we saw her there and only there was i mean there was a lot of elite agents there so maybe we should let our audience know how elite this we're going to let our audience agent. know let's okay.
1: bring this wonderful Jennifer Weiner welcome to the stage how are you hey. doing today
2: good afternoon fine gentlemen <laughs>
1: Good afternoon. So uh, I have, a, I have some very impressive stats about you and your team that you run there. So you actually were the number one female REMAX team leader in the state of Arizona before switching to EXP. Is that, is that accurate? Do we mic drop already or do we wait to the end? I, no, I've got more. <coughs> okay. You are, um, have been a real estate agent for 14 years. You were in the top 40 out of 40,000 agents in the MLS in 2017. You've been voted as Real Trans-America's best real estate agent. And you are also doing all of that business while being a mother of four children.
0: And happily married. Yeah.
1: Well done. Yeah, the studio audience is even applauding I, I mean, before
0: that. we let you talk, I mean, I remember looking on Facebook and seeing a post of her on a, I think was a Craig Proctor stage where she doubled her GCI in one year but I mean it wasn't like we started at GCI at 10,000 and we doubled to 20,000 she started at GCI over a million and doubled it to over 2 million in one year
2: and now she's gonna tell us all about it I mean welcome Jen welcome to the party well thanks for having me
1: You're welcome. So, what's going on in your world these days? What are you up? You know that this podcast is about what we're doing to help consumers, right? In this world of real estate that we work in. So, I don't know. You just want to take a minute? Well, I kind of want to ask her
0: because she went through a. She left a. I would say a traditionalist because we sometimes pick on traditionalist brokerage and left for. I thought you said one of the fastest growing brokerages ever. So trying to tell us about decision making, why you moved from you were, I think you were with, we were you at Remax before. Like, just tell us about that change and how, you know, it's going.
2: So, you know, really the way I look at brokerages is, I mean, I, I liked my broker, you know, the guy that, you know, ran the show, and, you know, it had, have advice with, you know, he would give me advice from time to time, but did, did they help me build my business? No. You know, did the company help me build my business? Absolutely not. Um, But I really didn't care. You know, I really wasn't looking at my brokerage like, hey, help me build my business. I knew by aligning myself with people like, hey, like you, because, you know, I met both of you and you're in two of my masterminds. And it's knowing and rubbing shoulders with the best in the industry that's truly helped me build my business. And I really just looked at my brokerage like, hey, this is just a mechanism where I can run escrows through, you know, keep me out of trouble I have advice, legal advice, great, but I'm not relying on you for leads. I'm not sure, relying on insane. building business. <laughs> so I, yeah. You know, I, I knew, you know, I wasn't looking to change at all. Two of my really good friends, um, Kyle Whistle and Dan Beer out in San Diego, who are run very brilliant businesses and also as a mom of four, what I'm looking at is there was a lot of balance they had in their life with their own families So I'm like, if you could be successful running 200, $300 million businesses and still like have all this time for your family, like I need to, you know, I need to be aligned with you. So I made the change at the worst time in my businesses. We were onboarding 50 listings. We had 50 escrows and I had two people to manage all of that. So we had a very small admin team. I mean, literally they were crying and I'm like, Hey, we're going to move. And I, you know, signed the lease on my uh, office I'm here now uh, and had my first team meeting on the floor with no furniture. Um, But I saw the opportunity because right now what I'm seeing is I'm seeing the market change. I just looked at October and uh, we're starting to see a whole lot more price reductions. We're starting to see increased supply. We're starting to see decreased demand. And I'm keeping an eye on this because I was in the market in 2008 and got caught with my pants all the way down to the ground. And I don't want that to happen again. But I'm also seeing the industry change at the same exact time. You know, we're seeing the we're seeing Wall Street back um, the iBuyers. We're seeing Wall Street back the discount brokers. You know, um, Homey and Purple Brick. We're starting to see Amazon, Costco, Uber agent apps. We're starting to see technology and the internet change um, real estate. Real estate's no exception. So I saw this as an opportunity that I knew would not be around in a year. I knew even I didn't want to wait a month because I knew every month counted. So that was why I changed. Um, And, you know, my business has had a lot of challenges, like more challenges this year than, like, since I can remember. Like, it's been a long time since I felt this many challenges.
0: Last year was a a way smoother year. I I, I agree with you. We didn't realize it, but there was the beginning of a little bit of change in the industry. So,
2: yeah, no, I felt like, I was like, hey, like, we just tried this. thing. Oh, we tried this and it's working and everything's working you know like oprah like everyone gets an escrow but you know this year it's like <laughs> we have to work for our money you know i mean like we're getting buyers get cold feet more we're just i'm starting to see the temperature of buyers and and now sellers will get it first but starts with buyers this starts with demand um but we're starting to see the buyers change i'm getting escrows that are falling out for no reason you know, and I'm like, wow, this didn't happen before because I've got a killer TC team. That was the move. And when we talk about the consumer first, I really admire you guys as being leaders in the industry because all of this change that's happening right now is all going to benefit the consumer. Like that's gonna who, that's who's going to benefit the most because not only is all the industry changing now, the clients have more options, but we have to get better. You know, you have to be better. Now I me and you're going up and you can't just say, I'm gonna have professional photos down and win the listing. You know, you're you really have to provide true value to our clients to really earn their business and their respect.
1: No doubt. No doubt. You agree? Yeah. <clears throat> and it's interesting now that um so last on Monday we had Dan Noma on, and then last week, which we took off because we were over in Los Angeles having a conversation with some realtors over there. And it was interesting to us that uh, at one of these discount brokerages that says that they're not having as much success in our marketplace because the agents are better here. And I think that in Phoenix with the level of competition, if we're not providing real value other than just professional photos, like that's the easy button. If it's really all it takes professional photos, then a seller could sell their own house, right? We know exactly. that there's more value. There's more, there's more that is needed.
2: Couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, the question is is I think for those that are coming in with the lower fee models, cause they're I mean, you know, the question is is are they they could be, you know, cause like open door is making the process uh hassle free and they're adding the convenience. So
2: And they're kind of not so- though, at the same time. Like so they still go back and ask for a lot of repairs, right? And um, that's the we. we
0: You want to take yeah. my chair the next time we talk to Open Door? Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's not like, it's not, that's not a surprise. We, have, we work with Open Door. We submit our offers to Open Door because sometimes that's an option our clients choose. But we do oh. have to prep them because Open Door might not be the best investor for them. It might be me. Oh. It might be another investor. So it's really like... It's really like finding, you know, like if you really do want that hassle-free, they'll close in two days, no repairs, no inspections. Like, I mean, there are those investors out there.
0: Yeah, We, we agree 100% with you. I'm just saying for that segment of the marketplace that wants a sale guaranteed, Yeah. you know, but – why why we get to have a show because they're only five percent of the marketplace, right? Like if it was fifty percent, we <laughs> wouldn't be having this conversation. But the reason why seven. we got, what's that?
2: I think it's seven percent now.
0: Oh, five, seven, less than ten, whatever it is. I'm just saying that I think it's not ninety percent or do you want to, is there twelve percent? Can I have twelve? <laughs> <laughs> but there's a huge opportunity for us as realtors to improve to get better to provide more service so Ooh. we want to kind of get into the things for you and what you are doing to service to to the the client uh usually we give you an opportunity to introduce it and then we can talk about the questions you that we have six
1: questions yes but in the meantime we also get comments from viewers on this and so reggie green says hello and brie Kruger also says hi jen <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. Congratulations. She has had a little sister this morning.
1: Who? Brie? Brie.
2: Yeah. Oh, wow. New little sister.
1: Congratulations, <laughs> Brie. You know more than I do. That's, that's impressive. Nice. Yes, yes. So when it comes to the consumer, right, one of the things that we like to talk about, we separate buyers and sellers. And then we ask basically the same three questions for buyers and sellers. And that is, what do you do in your business? What are tactics that you've had to implement to help either save time, reduce
0: hassle, save money, or either make more money, or um, right for sellers, it's three things: it's more money, faster, or less hassle. So, what are you doing out there in trying to, as you said, lead the industry, as you clearly are, in providing one? Because usually, you can't, as you pointed out, with open door, they're not getting more money for the seller, right? Like it's there, people are for that can. Right. It's fast, but they are supplying why we say that they're putting in consumer first because you they're still faster because I think they get offers pretty quickly. We, we can't deny yeah. that. Right. And yeah. probably less hassle because there's no um, I don't have to have open houses. I don't have to have buyers. I mean, yeah. I still think that 90 percent of the people are going to want more money. So which one of the uh, aspects do you go after more than the other?
2: So the first step would be asking your seller what's most important, right? Because if we just assume that top dollar is their um, goal, then, you know, we're, we could be assuming wrong. And we have all had those clients that they work from home, maybe uh, medical. You know, I had a um, somebody that was like, you know, I had a heart attack two years ago and I just can't. I work from home with four dogs. I don't want to have showing. So maybe the home needs a lot of repair. So, yeah, there's a lot of hassle. but I think what most agents do is they go in there and they're like, I can sell you home for more money, more money, more money. Which at the end of the day, that might not be their their most uh their goal. So really is asking the question. Getting I to know the, top, what's the most important.
0: Agent, like you've been on, I mean, we've competed in many listing appointments. Do you not think that people have an expectation that their house is gonna sell for above what the market will bear?
2: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Google, you know, it's like the internet, you know, that's really changed us. You know, it's almost analysis from paralysis. They go on this estimate and maybe this estimate's lower than maybe It this estimates higher, but they have been hearing for a long time. It's a seller's market. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, don't sellers always want, we all want the best for ourselves. Right. So sellers are no different. Yeah,
1: I heard it described recently in a way, in in this way. And that is when there's more equity being made, meaning our market has been running up for how many years? Seven. Seven. Okay. So our market's been running up for seven years. And so there's enough equity in houses where $10,000 might not make or break. If you got a hundred thousand dollars in equity, you could be willing to walk away from 10,000 because you still
0: get a check for 90. But I think that's what she's saying is, is I know sometimes sometimes, you're taking her
1: side and you're saying it a different way. When the market goes, if the market is in the different direction or your sales price yeah. is so close to where your equity line is, and now 10,000 means you have to bring a check to the table versus getting five, you no longer want to take that option, right? You have to stretch it to get that money out. It just depends, I think, on what
0: you're, what you're getting ready to walk away from. But I like her approach because she's saying that she she's more like, I listen to what the cu- customer says. Hey. Hey, hey now. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I don't go in there with just my mouth yapping, you know, it's like about us listening. So for me, I want to hear about their goals, you know, and I think keeping an ear to the ground and what the market's doing is super important. Because if we don't sell, we quote this price that, you know, is exorbitant or maybe it's not even crazy and we don't, we're we not proactive and we don't like reduce the price, you know, what's going to, what the market's going to do in three to six months, who knows what's going to happen. And if they're carrying that, there's extra carrying costs with sellers. Um, You know, if I'm negotiating on day 200 of the listing compared to day 20, you know, it's a lot, we're in a lot different position. So, you know, it's taking into account all of that because price is a moving target. And I think right now as the market's starting to shift, we're going to start to see that target start to move.
0: I mean, you work in the luxury market, so I was more commenting that, right? So in 85255 and 85262, in the north part of town, the average house is listed 33% above the average sales price. So I'm just int- – I'm truly intrigued because you're able to win, obviously, the dominating stats that we talked about you um, by a different approach than price. I mean, that was uh, pretty outstanding. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean,
2: I think first of all, I think we have to let our clients know that, hey, just because I might not be the highest price doesn't mean you shouldn't go with me because I am the best agent for the job and truly knowing that. Um, because how many times, and this has happened, especially when you've been in the real estate industry for more than two weeks, where another agent quotes a crazy <laughs> price, takes the listing, keeps dropping it, and you're like, dang, and it sold for, you know, what I told him I was going to sell for. So,
1: Yes. Yeah, right.
2: well, You're in luxury. You know, you sometimes you just don't know. You don't have the data. The data doesn't like isn't going to give you that. This is what the home's going to sell for. So it's really just really knowing the market.
0: Well said. Yeah, yeah. excellent. All right. So now you're also. Uh, I mean, you are. St- are you still active in the business?
2: I very much am. So as soon as we get off here, I'll be driving to my my next listing appointment. So. I, I'm I go on about five to ten a week awesome um I, did you ask me another question I go on like five to ten listing appointments a week all I've sold about 30 million in volume myself so far this year
0: well cool. all right so I was this this section we're gonna talk about the buyers so the same three questions about um, less hassle less time or best in this case for the buyer is they always want the best deal right like I think that yeah they, they're going to say that no matter what. So what do you, oh, I was just saying as a top agent, you still, you represent a lot of buyers. And so what's your magic there?
2: Well, um, we're not the Uber agent and I get on my pedestal. I don't personally work with buyers, but I get on my pedestal almost every Tuesday and let my agents know that if you are sending an offer over and you're CCing the listing agent on DocuSign and that's the way an offer goes over, you failed your client. If that's, that's what comes over to me all the time as a listing agent, I think that's pathetic. That's the way you negotiate to get the best price for your buyers by CCing the listing agent on a docu sign. No. So we have a very methodical way we submit offers um, and it, it, that would appeal to the seller, all sellers personality types. So we have, you know, it's a like a 10 page package. And we get a lot of like, what the heck's this, you know, from the agents, but I don't care. Like that is what you're going to submit to your seller. So, um, you know, I've had some, I've had some uphill battles with my own team, like to say like, Hey, I know it's more work. It's going to take you 10, 15 more minutes to do this, but it's in the best interest of your buyer. But, you know, we are much more thorough in consults. Our value proposition isn't going to be like, Hey, we're going to set you up on an MLS search and let me know the, which three homes you want to go see on Saturday. Because in that case, you are a discount agent. If you're CCing listing agents when you're negotiating, you're, you're a discount agent. And I don't train my agents to be discount agents.
0: Wow. All right. So can we talk a little bit about the buyer consult you mentioned, um, knowing a little bit about your business? Because I don't know that everybody does a buyer consult. What does that mean?
2: Well, you know, it's first of all, we like to start with Ford, you know, family op- occupation, recreation, dreams you know, really getting to know them, you know, what, what their goals are, you know, um, I don't want to just be, you know, we don't want to get into the straight for agent does. That's not what we're here for. We're get, we're here to get to know you deeper because you might tell me you're looking for a house. And by time I get to know you, we realize that a condo is the better, um, you you know, the better scenario for you. So get to know them, you know, then we get them to know us and we have a program that we run for our buyers. Um, we let them know what that entails. We take some risk out of the equation and hey, we like let them know, like if you're ever not happy in that first year and that are in the house, we'll sell your home for no commission. You know, so um, we offer our clients a lot of value and really, and we don't just rely on push notifications. That's the lazy man's way. That is the Uber agent way. I mean, we should, if, if we can't take on any more buyers, we shouldn't be taking on buyers and we should be proactively looking at houses, going off market, Um, you know, when we're even the MLS searches like, hey, this came up on the MLS, but it is exactly what you're looking for. Master bedrooms downstairs has the views, but know about what your buyer's seeing, because I can't tell you, I accommodate my luxury listings, not as much anymore, but I can't tell you how many times an agent goes in there the agent knows nothing about the house. It's the buyer walking around with their MLS Plano that's telling their agent, oh, isn't this that? And the agent's like, huh? You know, the agent doesn't know anything about the house.
0: Do you promote previewing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the best way you're going to get to know your market and what's out there.
1: All right. So I got two comments from our, actually three comments from our listeners. Kelly Dubosch says, Great advice. Sally says, Hey, Jen, Sally B, Sally B. Hey, Jen, say hi to Elisa for me. Great interview so far. And then Dan Noma Jr. Monday's guest says, Jen, how is your business evolving as a traditional team by using the iBuyer or investor buyers out there? How are you guys using them in your business? So,
2: Good question. I look them as well. The, jumping
0: in with oh, wow, question, that's awesome. You needed to read. Yeah, no, I look
2: at the business now like so we're all partners together i mean there are things i mean dan's gotten two submissions from me in the last week um of our own listings um you know i've submitted seven listings to opendoor in the last week um so if it doesn't fit open doors buy box i just bought one well today it closes today so you know sometimes it's um it's really it's not going to be one investor just like one agent not one size fits all for us we're looking at what investor would be the best for this and if it hits Open Door's buy box, usually you can't beat it. But Dan Noma can sometimes, so sometimes when it hits his buy box, and it, I know that's were kind of changed. You, and, Dan's product
0: like zone too? Or were you uh, working no, with his institutional buyers? The
1: iBuyers, I think is what he's yeah, referring yeah. To.
2: He bought one of my own flips, and I think I bought it at 185, and I think he bought it at 233. Two weeks later, we didn't do any work to it. <laughs> so, you know, they were actually paying good prices.
0: Yeah. Nice. Wow. Awesome. And Dan, let us know if we didn't get a full answer to your question, but I thought it was pretty good. Obviously you're using.
2: Are we incorporating iBuyers into our business by being partners with them and offering them as a solution to our clients?
0: Right. So so obviously you are, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, we have had to make this switch as well in working with open door and now with Dan's group, because there is a segment of the marketplace that they want it faster and and quicker and uh less hassle so all right so jen thank you so much um but i think it shows i mean just to give
1: the i i I think i buyers are uh, is a vague term but the institutional Mm -hmm. buyers right to show that these direct buyers whatever you want to call them are being somewhat competitive i mean are being competitive at times you're a real estate agent you have all the capacity in the world to list that house and sell that house the way that without paying yourself a commission in a sense, right? But yet you chose to go that route and you're not the first real estate agent I've heard of that has chose to go that route because as we're advising our clients, sometimes it's nice to be a little bit more believable. When look, this is how I've transacted on some properties. It's not, Oh, those people over there
0: do it. It's I actually have full experience in doing this. This is how I have sold some of my properties. But I think she was validating what Dan told us in that sometimes his institutional buyer can actually be the better price because she mentioned in you know within their buy box, that's what she was saying. I and mean, I, I was that must have rented well, right? Based on what he told us as well,
1: that has a good rental market, so that he bases his price off of that.
0: Yeah, because he's he's but he has a very strong buyer because they're not focused on the list price; they're more focused on the the how much am I going to rent it for for the next fifty years, you know? Yeah, it's a, little, a little different timeline than we have in our, you know, sometimes short mindset. So, all right. So is there anything that you'd like to talk about? Because we kind of got through our questions, but do I want to make sure that you're getting the most out of this experience if you want to <laughs> tell the audience? Or is there anything that you would like to add that we didn't discuss about your business that you would like to tell us about? I, I think we do got a comment, though, about her office and how cool it is. It, but but you, you tell us what you'd like to talk about.
2: Um, well, my office is awesome, isn't it? And it's really spooky right now because we'll be having a client <laughs> appreciation event um, for Halloween here in two days. So, I'm um, gonna invite all of our past clients. Jen's uh,
0: office at that pinnacle peak in Pima, down the street. About you know about you know fifteen, 15 so? days. Is that Friday?
2: Yeah, yeah. So Friday night, um, we'll have games here and haunted uh, cocktails and. Fun, fun things to do. But um, so, yeah, I would like to know how you I know I've heard you on the Daily Dose and that was last year. So I can only imagine a year later how much has changed. How do you think technology is disrupting the brokerage model?
0: How do I think technology is it for and me? What and what me you are, you
1: feel? While you're thinking about that, I'm just going to respond. I'm going to read Dan's comment here. It says we often say it might be our fiduciary responsibility to show our sellers. All of the options they have, even if it's an iBuyer or institutional buyer, which, of course, we agree with. Yeah,
0: we even yes. – to, to back Dan and to back Jen's thoughts, I mean we even put a program out to all of our sellers, all of our clients saying that we have this option now if you right. want it. And I, I sometimes it pains me in a listing appointment even though I know it's the truth because we were just on one and she's like, well – you know, um, how will you sell my house for 1%? And I'm like, no, we have only if the investor buys it, right? You know, it's just a a different approach. So, okay. So the question you had was, how
2: do I see technology changing the industry? Yeah, look, specifically like the brokerage model. You know, obviously I came from a brick and mortar and EXP is a technology-based. So I had to get one point in there, whoever's uh, tallying points for you guys. But... (laughs) (laughs)
1: if you
2: expcloud.com I got my luxury home <laughs> <designated>. <laughs> nice
0: well I mean to me it, the question is to throw back at you is it the tail wagon, the dog who's the dog and who's the tail right like because I think it's the um, I think it's the um, the the brokers have created it for themselves in allowing technology to come in and replace them because they have not supplied us with the support level that agents need, the training, the that they got too focused on just recruiting agents. And that the current model at EXP and what you've explained to me offline is that you like the tools and the training that's available through the platform that you joined that is enabled because of the technology to match you up with a group out of San Diego where the traditionally, you know, the traditional model doesn't allow that kind of sharing and that they're not providing the support. It's why uh, we at the Seabock team have been able to grow because we're in a model currently where we're able to provide that support that we used to get from the there's just a, a huge vacuum that now exists out in the marketplace. I think that EXP is trying to step through that vacuum, and that's that brokers are not providing enough training and enough support for their agents. And the ones that are going to make it through this change with this technological change in the industry that's also happening with brokers, but the ones that will succeed are ones that are providing more training and more support to Put the consumer first in real estate. Does that answer your question?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it answers my question. And I, you know, I appreciate that like us right now, you know, we are, I know I would, I'd say, I would say that we have um, the same goal, but what I'd also say is we are having to level up as leaders, like, you know, having to level up like we've never leveled up before, just in providing training and value to our agents. If I'm not providing that kind of value, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, mega agent teams. There's a lot of like um, a lot more, you know, brokerages that have a lot more education online. You know, I think that's the way technology is disrupting is that so much you don't have to go walk into a brick and mortar to go get what you need to get.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, if I were to think, zoom out and look at technology from a broker standpoint, I think that technology ran. It has obviously evolved in the last decade. And 10 years ago, it helped provide the brokerage model at a cheaper expense to real estate agents because they were able to use technology to replace some of the hard costs that they have. But as technology has gotten more ingrained in everything that we do, it will now have the opposite effect. And now we will go to brokerages and we will pay more to be with companies that utilize technology not just for one aspect, but for the entire aspect of a, of running a business, and I, I'm kind of excited to see what's going to happen over the next you know couple of five years.
2: I, I and, don't even think it's gonna be five years. I mean, I'm seeing things shake up really quickly. I mean, just this year, I feel like January is a different decade than than today here in October. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs>
1: No, yeah. and I also think that it continues to evolve. Like when I think about – I have a myth, right? I used to come in when five years ago I thought that there was going to be such a thing as one database that we communi- had and communicated with all of our agents on. And then I had this database for mailings, and I had that database on my phone, and I had that database on Facebook, and I had that database on texting. And I had that database. It's a lot of databases, Phil. Agreed. You have that <laughs> database for emails. And I I see that that is still this dream and this myth that, that, that technology companies try to pitch that you're going to be able to have one database, but technology evolve is evolving too fast. Like I can't help have Facebook. I mean, if Facebook messenger doesn't integrate with my database, then can I have just one database? No, I have to maintain more than
0: one database. So it'll be interesting to see how to that catch to, to catch up those that are not as technically inclined, meaning that if we want to market to our contacts through Facebook, we have to take our database, uh, export it, and then upload it into a separate software package called Facebook so that we can then market to them,
1: right? like. Right. And so I'm excited from the technology standpoint to see how that flattens out over if it will flatten out or if it will continue. Like what's going to be next? Because a year ago, you're right, Jen. I would say that it has changed from January because I didn't think Facebook Messenger was as relevant a year ago as I do today.
2: Yeah. Facebook Messenger. And I mean, sometimes like the things that take off, like for us, we're like, oh, we should all be about Slack. That's great. We set up all these channels and just getting people to use it. Where people are on Facebook, they're using it, and really? like we're we're going way old fashioned right now. We're texting our scoreboards every day through text message, like group text message on iPhones. <laughs> it's just like, you know, we tried all the fancy stuff, and we have our own internal hub, and we have our our private Facebook group. We have we have we have it all, but everyone checks. Well, I think
0: this is what, what we have felt ourselves here is that. Too many technologies leads yeah. to lack of use of all of them because there's, there's
2: paralysis from pra- paralysis or analysis yes,
0: it, Mind numbing because you're in this one and then you don't dive in, you don't utilize it. And then all of a sudden you become less functional. Um, when we were on the stage with Kenny Kloss. I would you know, they were like, well, what cool technologies are you using? I'm like Facebook and texting and you know uh Instagram. Everyone,
2: but it's confusing it's you're using the medium that everyone else is using you can't use a medium that you're just going to use
0: right the consumers on facebook the consumers yeah. using google those are the tools that we use you know the consumers on zillow we were uh, you know it's but it's we have to be closer to the consumer instead of this technology and that technology that are separate cuz then you're trying to get what phil was saying you're trying to get it's harder to get your audience over to a, a tool that they don't use than to meet them yeah. where they are in their, well, you know, the platforms they
1: are familiar with. The reason why it continues to move is because what happened? What do marketers do? Abuse. Ruin every form oh. of communication. Really
2: yeah. ruin, it, ruin it. Yeah, too.
1: Like, I was just- yeah. Marketers ruin every form marketers of Marketers ruin every... Yes. So we continue to get pushed to where they aren't, and then... They- they just slowly follow. Right now as we're getting into facebook messenger as marketing we know that that's going to last for six months and we're going to have to be in somewhere else
2: yeah going where the consumer goes and you know we have we have boomtown everyone has their own crm but you know facebook is a crm and that's where our clients are and that's where our future clients are and our you know, friends and family. And I don't know about you, but like even like me, I don't have a lot of time to be on the phone, but I can see what all my, you know, my family or friends are doing in California kids growing up. So I don't think we can, you know, replace that. You know, we have Instagram, we have Facebook and we'll see what else pops up, but those are CRMs.
1: Right. It'll just be interesting to see how their filters work so that, I mean, as marketers, we get to work around. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I like it. Yeah, you are you were an awesome guest. Thank you. We have some parting prizes for you. We got a Seabock team <laughs> cup. And a, what else? We got? <laughs> we got
2: a koozie. I still think I owe you a Wainer Group onesie for your. Um, oh, no. you yeah. having yeah. an
0: extra large. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's in a serious relationship. We may need one soon. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Oh, no.
2: I, have, I have a number just in case of twins.
1: <laughs> there you go. So then Sally actually says, agreed on over analysis. Let's invent one program that syndicates all of the platforms, Facebook, Google, email, texting, et cetera, and become millionaires, but making everyone's life easier and simpler. You know what, Sally? I think there's a lot of people that are down with that goal. Yeah, they're actively working on that goal. Absolutely.
0: You know, I don't know. I mean, the the challenge is that they're all competitors of each other. So I don't know that that is, you know, it's uh They all want your
2: attention. It's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is, the reality is, is I think we can have five or six, but I just don't think we can have 15 or 20 apps that we work on regularly. It's just that there's a limit. Um, although Jen, I would say um, about the phone call comment, we see people not using the phone as much, right? Like I think that less and like I still see a lot of traditionalist models of brokerages out there relying on the phone call, and the phone call is uh, I don't know. I hate the phone. Why, so. Jeff?
2: I think no, I'm ta- I said text message. Marketers ruined it.
1: Yes, right. You know who loves the phone? Robots. Robots love to dial,
0: right? I got cruises. I love,
2: I love, the, I love the phone.
0: Yes, good, good, good. All right, so you're getting all the clients. We're not getting yeah. awesome. <laughs> That's exciting. No, we still call. Don't. I mean, I'm not. I make fun of lots of things. Like that is just my. Is that a high point of what yeah, I do? Dude, that's it's just your, That's your, who I am. Yeah. Like He also
1: hates email and he's going to stop using email. He's going to stop using email on the phone. And well, the uh, – Monday you,
0: morning. You're
1: going to need more. to go by his house and knock on his door or come to the office to talk to yeah, him. Yeah, the thing is, is, is I,
0: I've turned off all notifications on my phone, right? Like the only time I go to my phone is if I look at it, good or bad. It has made the smile on my face get bigger and <laughs> – like, no but i mean it, I, I know i set timelines up like when, to go look at things when i need them um fortunately yeah there was,
2: was a um, you know those prank boxes at target um like you can and it's like a uh-huh. candle uh-huh. making pit, or something weird like that this one was like an iphone that you can like an iphone holder you could put on your hat and it'd be right in front of your face and like you could like ride your bike and your phone's like right in front of your face and it. Was like supposed to be funny, but I feel like that is how we're
0: becoming. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Group one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Can you send us the hat? Like.
2: (laughs) iPhone in front of your face. Yeah, but it it is it's definitely freeing when you can step away from it.
0: Right. Well, I don't want to keep you from your listening appointment. Good luck. Hope it's is it in Desert Ridge because that's where he's (laughs) going. That's where I'm going.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What address?
0: Nope. All right. You guys have a
2: good
0: day. It's been fun. <laughs> All right. Hey, happy Wednesday. Thank you for listening to The Solution, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Stay today by following us on soundcloud.com forward slash ask Jeff and Phil, or download the Apple Podcast app and search for The Solution, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. You can find links to all of our social media platforms in our description, including a Facebook group link to the solution presented by Ask Jeff and Phil. If you have questions, please leave a comment below, and we will answer those questions on Facebook Live Mondays and Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Mountain